PodPit podcast is part of Podnose, the UK's leading independent entertainment podcasting network. For episode archives of PodPit and all of the shows on the network, visit us at www.podnose.com. You can also follow us on Twitter via at Podnose or send us an email via admin at podnose.com. I even have a jingle that shows what I think of people that are from the other states. The Todd Glass Show, the number one podcast listened to in other countries by people who are smarter and hipper than us. So it must be a better podcast. There you go. I always think people from other countries, I don't know, they're smarter. So whenever anybody like, comes up to me you know, with an accent, they go, I like your podcast. I go, oh, thank you. I feel like it's a bigger compliment. Hello, and welcome to another episode of PodPit, the podcast about podcasts, and I'm your host, George Grimwood. Todd Glass is the host of The Todd Glass Show, a brilliant mix of improv, bits, clips, sound effects, music, guests, friends, debate, discussion, and much more. Definitively, it's a variety entertainment show at its best through the medium of podcasting. Back in 2015, I had a fantastic time when Todd invited me to attend a recording of the show above Black Horse Motors on the La Cienega Strip in Los Angeles. You can actually find me lurking in the background and eventually clucking like a chicken on episodes 220 and 221 respectively. This year, I got in touch with Todd again and he very kindly invited me to his home where the studio has now relocated and we discussed comedy, podcasts, politics, cake, Winnebago's and air conditioning. And I should point out that this was recorded prior to the U.S. presidential election results. Hi, Todd. Hello. Hello, how are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you for coming to the house and doing it. I appreciate it. Oh, it's an honor. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. And I have seen the YouTube video of your Todd Glass's Cribs, essentially. The Modern Comedian. Yeah. By Scott Moran. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a cool thing he did. Uh, he did like a story on a few comedians. I guess some things you don't know about some comedians. I think it's one of the is it Dave Stone? He lived in, he lives in his van. I hope I got that right. I, I believe so. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were really cool. There's very rare opportunities where um, you can kind of have that kind of candidness with comedians and comedy. For me, generally, is is where you know unless you've just got the, you've got the stage and you've got the audience, and then there's podcasting where there's this whole other level where you can really get to know the person in a in a much more intimate way. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I repeat this line a lot because it's a, I think it really says everything. So I, I have said it before and I'll say it again. I mean, it's basically radio. But in radio, there were a lot of suits. I, felt, I always felt like the suits were worse in radio than they were in television. And whenever I was doing like a number one market, like if I was doing the radio station in Philly and they were number one, I would always ask just out of curiosity, uh, hey, did they leave you alone when you're number one for 10 years? And they go, no. So really what podcasting was, it got rid of the suits and gave radio the purity of stand-up. So of course that's going to be enticing. It gave radio in one clean sweep the purity of stand-up. And uh, people, people like that. So if any of those suits were ever thinking, well, what would radio be without us? I mean, I know we know we need the talent, but what would happen if you got rid of us? And we found out we didn't need you. And I, I suppose the freedom there, I mean, that's the thing. It's a freedom. The big difference between, certainly in the UK as well, professional radio is uh, dominated. Even the, even Still? The, yeah, 100%. I mean, BBC. But more, BBC is, is, is good stuff. 
It's great, but right. I mean, Desert Island Discs has been going for sixty years, but it's not a podcast. I mean, they what they do now is they take out the uh, the music that is copyright and they say this is a podcast, and it's like, well, and then they use that as a comparison point to all individual independent podcasts that come out, and it's it's very unfair. I think it's uh, it's not. Why really- is it unfair? I'm asking. I don't know. Well, I, I, in my personal opinion, I, I find that professional radio and, and podcasting should be two separate creative mediums in, in many respects. You know, and the, the main difference being freedom of speech in, and uh, and also being to going to a niche element as well. Mm. So if you wanted to hear a show about bowling, there'll be a show about bowling or fishing or anything. Whereas with professional radio, certainly with the BBC, is that you end up listening to a show and it's been going for 60 years. And then what they've done, they, they've basically taken a potential, the potential of a creative medium and they've turned it into a uh, recycle radio. And it's lost all the opportunity to really make it its own thing. But if someone, and by the way, I'm only asking because I'm not, like, obviously I don't have a, I don't have a, what do they say, a leg in this race or a, a state? Well, I guess I do. Uh, it, but because but, I know there's some guys in Philadelphia, like Preston and Steve, which are big morning people in uh, Philadelphia, and they're great. And they're not like, you know, just like there are, there is good radio. No one's denying it. That's mm. what why I wanted to do podcasting because I grew up and I would hear radio in the car and I loved it. And they do also uh, turn around and put it on the podcast because there's turn take the show every day and then they edit it down and they put a podcast out for maybe people that moved away or maybe people that can't listen in the morning. So they do. So but I, don't, I don't ever really have a problem with that. I think I'm like, oh, yeah, that's 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 a good that's works there, too. There's no line divided. I'd certainly. I mean, I think there's because like NPR and I do a lot of podcasts as well. Mm-hmm. But they originated from the original radio show. I mean, even um, Comedy Bang Bang was originally a radio show, and then it went on its own as a podcast. Right, so, right. So it's it's hard. I think that's the thing is that there's no line defined really officially. Right. And everyone I've spoken to has given a different interpretation of podcasting, and I think that kind of sums it up. Is that it's? God, this... I love to hear. What did Jimmy Pardo say? Tell me. <laughs> I yeah. listened. You're like listen to him talk about it. Oh. In the comedy community, I, I always felt that he was the first one. Even though I know, I always say this because I'm afraid there's someone out there. And I did mine before Jimmy Pardo. Of course, there were people that did their podcast before Jimmy Pardo. But in the comedy community, uh, that's the one that I think most of us knew that uh, introduced us to. Before that, it was called Internet Radio, right? Yeah. And then, but Pardo's was the first one that I knew of and went and had so much fun doing it. Well, he said his his main influence was Ricky Gervais, which was interesting to me because from the UK perspective, there was The Office, which did incredibly well. He then did Extras, which was great. And then uh, Derek, uh, there's a few people I know who are not too fond of Derek because it kind of, there's in many respects, he basically mocks certain type of people. Uh, like, put, what do you mean? Who is Derek? So Derek is um, is a Ricky Gervais show where he, he the character he plays works in an old pe- person's home. And uh, they and the character itself, he'd been doing on the circuit for years, sort of without really a name. And cards on the table, it mocks the disabled, as far as as far as a lot of people in the UK are concerned. It yeah, well, of, they're uh, and and this is Ricky Gervais's show. Yeah, I should probably see it before I comment on it, but I'm very uh, yeah, I don't uh, I don't want to make any of the mistakes I made. Uh, what I call it a fluffy hatred. Mm. It's the type of hatred that uh, even a good person might let it slip by. It's like when I watched Family Guy for a while, and I really love it. And I still do. I think at it's best. It's brilliant. But then there were some things I went, oh, this is not okay that I just watch it and go, I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay with that. I would crush me if I went into someone's house and there was a TV show at night that had like, that was very, you know, making fun of gay people. But then there was other stuff they did that was great. And my friend was like, I like it. I'm sorry. I don't like the gay stuff, but I 
like the other stuff. So I listen, is that wrong? And I thought, oh, that would crush me. I'd want to think that somebody that loved me or, you know, anything, it was whatever it was, you know, so, but, but I, I haven't heard it, but yeah, whenever anybody, uh, you know, any of that stuff, I'm like, you know, some people call it PC. I go, fuck PC. It's just called being aware, kind and proper. Yeah. And that's the thing. I, I mean, you know, I've only seen uh, the first series of, I believe, two and then a Christmas special. And that's all I needed to see. I mean, obviously, and also I should point out, I'm obviously speaking from a personal perspective. And I know yeah. that a lot of people are a fan of the show. Right. And by the way, I should also, uh, because you can talk about, uh, look, I'll make this very short. I don't think anything is off uh, topic. Mm-hmm. Off, you, Any comedian should be able to talk about whatever they want. There should be no rules. Uh, ever. I don't care what it is. Every comedian should be able to do whatever they want. That's the end of the story. But it doesn't mean that you can't change on your own. That someone could, I always say, I'm not trying to make a law against you doing this or whatever it might be that I don't agree with. I'm not trying to make a law. I'm hoping that I can speak articulately enough to make you not want to do it by choice, not by a court order. But at the end of the day, if I can't say anything that makes you go, wow, because people do change their beliefs. That's why people go to couples counseling because it brings understanding to a situation. And then you on your own change, there's never a period in couples counseling where they give a court order that you have to change that behavior. They're hoping that they're brilliant enough. So you'll go, Oh, I want to change that. I don't want to do that. I didn't realize that what the, that that's what the type of thing that it perpetuated that I did. And that's how I always feel. I hope I can say something that would make someone not want to do it. But at the end of the day, everybody should do whatever they want. Yeah. And, and, and at the end of the day, as you say, it's about communication. Right. I think uh, well, that's why when people go, you can't, you know, uh, it's uh, inhibiting my speech. I go, no, I think people are, it's like when your mom corrected you on your language. You know, she said, say, please say this. She wasn't inhibiting your speech. She was trying to make your speech beautiful. And that's why most people that I, that I think that go down in the history, people like Lenny Bruce or George Carlin or Richard Pryor. Well, the reason we're still talking about them is because overwhelmingly they picked on the right people. We might go back and disagree with that or disagree with that, but they're pretty much their body of work was using freedom of speech to defend the right people. And piss off the right people. I don't care about pissing off people. I just don't want to piss off brilliant people. I want them to like me. Yeah. So. Well, with uh, Carlin and Pryor and, and Lenny Bruce is that they were all thinking forward in the right direction. Right. Um, and we've advanced more since then. And that's okay, too. We might look back and go, oh, that view that he said, I don't agree. But overwhelmingly, their body of work was uh, defending the right people and making fun of the right people and taking verbal punches at the right people. Now, something that came up with Jimmy yesterday as well, of course, we're in a political time right now, and uh, I won't delve too far into it because, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a blood boiler, I think, is a fair fair way of describing it, uh, the way everything is at the moment. And, and I also spoke with Jimmy about our experiences over in the UK with the EU and us coming out of the, the European Union. And we used the example that it was 48 and 52%. And the 52% were the people who voted out and 48% were the people who voted in. And that ultimately, we talked about how uh, the people who are pro-Trump are that 52% at the moment, the way it feels is sort of where arguments are being kind of, you know, brought up between people who are good friends for years. And then suddenly you realize that your friend is is that person. And uh, We just we talked about this yesterday. It's like a good way to... And, you know, I always try to think what people are going to say and then try to counteract it so someone listening 
you know, would be able to go, they're thinking that, and you go, oh, I already know you're thinking that, let me answer that. Uh, Oh, what do you want to do, just be friends with people that agree with everything you say? No. I think we all know we have to have friends that disagree all over the gambit. But then we have some solid lines that we make. Um, I have some, I mean, I'm opinionated on everything, but I have friends that don't agree with me. I have family members that don't agree with me. But where do I draw the line? Now, with my family, sometimes I have to make exceptions. I don't agree with maybe some verbiage that someone will use in my family, but they're my family. After that, I don't need more people like that. So after that, it's all based on my love for you and what you say. And we can disagree on a shit ton of stuff. And you can still be my dear friend. But if somebody, if I had a friend that did not believe that black people should marry white people, no, I don't agree to disagree on that. I move forward and I decide that's not a friendship I want. So that's how I feel about Trump. It's like, I've had somebody in my, in my life, a close friend of mine. I don't know how to deal with it because it's not okay with me. It's not okay, especially when that person is gay. And you might think, what's that have to do with it? Well, you're not supposed to turn around and use hatred and misinformation on the next group. It was already done to you. You're supposed to know what it feels like and go, wow, the one thing I could do is not turn around and do this to the next group. But what am I going to do? You know, I've been avoiding their calls. Well, I mean, we, we receive certain elements of, of Trump being sort of, you know, um, uh, filtered through into the, the UK news. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I genuine curiosity, because I'm not sure. Um, ha, has he put a, st- a view on the gay community? Or? No, but you know what? I always look at how, not how someone is on the view now, what the, what's on the plate now and how they're dealing with it. And that's how they would have dealt with that. Not that. We don't have a lot of work to do uh, for different for, you know, uh, equal rights with all different types of people, but we've made progress. But um, I always look at something else they're doing wrong and then going, how would they have been on this 30 years ago? You know what I mean? And I think with all the views he has now, I know exactly how he would have been 30 years ago. So it's not even in the gray area. My friend said something interesting about Trump because it's not a political discussion. Yeah, I like when someone says something comic goes, oh, no, I don't know anything about politics. I have a degree. I can figure out people. Some people are in the gray area. Some people are ironclad sociopaths. But um, it's not politics talking about Trump. You need to pass a test of uh, your sanity. Mm-hmm. And then when you pass that, then we want to hear what your views are. He goes, I don't have a degree in politics. If you're asking me to talk politics, I fucking I'll shut up. But if you're asking me to evaluate him as a human being in, in the privacy of our own home when we talk about him, uh, then he goes, no, no, you, you, it doesn't get to politics because he's not a stable person. I love the way he said that. He goes, oh, no, it's not politics. No, no, you what politics. You got to, that's like, you know, hey, what, you know, you get what I'm saying. Enough. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Do you edit this a little? Yeah, I can do. Yeah. I got to turn the air on. It's yeah. going to make a little noise, but I'm going to, otherwise I'm going to be a bastard. I tried to turn it off. Yeah, no, that's fine. I thought, oh, I'll be okay. Hopefully I'm not making it a literally a heated discussion. No, no, no. <laughs> this is me talking about anything. Yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, you can leave that all in if you want. We got the air on pretty quick. I'll talk about uh, my favorite cake and I'll start sweating. <laughs> so, Todd. Yes. What's your favorite cake? Now, let me tell you something about cake, you son of a bitch. Dundee? So, uh, <laughs> my favorite cake? Yeah. Ice cream cake. Oh, my God. Well, but not, not regular ice cream cake. I like to make it. I like to buy a good cake. Because, you know, the cake, when you get it, the ice cream, it, the cake's not the best part. It's like a piece of pound cake. They put ice cream around it. The cake isn't moist and delicious and cinnamony. So I just buy the best cake I can buy at a bakery, cut it in half, you know, long ways, put the ice cream, put the top back on it, and there you got a delicious ice cream cake where the cake is good. That's an orgy cake. Oh, it's so good. I mean, I, I'm always down to the old traditional chocolate cake, but I tell you what's really hard to find in the UK. I don't know what it is. Butterscotch. Butterscotch? Love it. 
Yeah. Absolutely love it. You, Philadelphia, we had th- something called Tasty Cakes, and the best Tasty Cakes I always like were the Butterscotch Tasty Cakes. They're the best. Yeah. Do you get Angel Delight over here? I th- I don't think so. It's like a it's like a powder uh, butterscotch flavor. Usually, you can get them in different times: strawberry and vanilla, I think. And uh, you mix it with milk, and then you whip it, and then you put it in the like Devo, and then you put it in the fridge, and uh, you leave it for a bit, and then it's just like a like a butterscotch whip. Oh wow! It's like pudding almost. Yeah, kind of. It's but a little fluffier. Fluffier, and if you leave it long enough, it kind of it shouldn't be rock hard. It should just be like a yeah, like yeah. a like a fluff. I like then, the way that sounds. I'll, Seriously, I'll, I'll tell you what. I will. Why don't you mail me some? If I can get it through customs, uh, you can do a line of uh, Angel Delight. Sounds uh, like something that's really good and easy to make. It really You're like is. this should not be that easy to make. It seems like you know you put it in a wine glass. You tell people, "Hey, look what I made." Yeah, ten minutes. Yeah, that's we sound, all. We sound like an infomercial. <laughs> ten I, minutes. You've got what is it called again? Angel Delight. Angel and this, Delight. And this episode is brought to you by I Angel ain't. Delight. This episode is brought to you by Angel Delight. You're going to like the way you taste it in your mouth. Huh? Butter the scotch. But not scotch the butter because that, that would just be weird. It's like uh, having a brandy. Uh, was it the brandy that you put in the uh, Christmas puddings? Is it? I don't know about that. Do you get that with the... It was like brandy butter is like a big UK thing where they put brandy butter on a Christmas pudding. And no one likes Christmas pudding because they're just they're kind of these really tight little cakes with uh, raisins and fruit and all that. But it, I, I'm not a big fan of a fruit Never cake. heard of that. Oh, fruit cake. Yeah. yeah I don't think I've ever really ate a fruit cake. I like fruit and I like cake. But it's... Leave it separate. Segregation. <laughs> but only in that particular right. circumstance. Yeah. Brandy butter would work. But scotch butter, I think, would just be whiskey and butter. And I don't think that would really... So, no, uh, vodka and margarine maybe. <laughs> Can't take credit for that one, but uh, but yeah, vodka, vodka margarine uh, was a suggestion once made um, many years ago. So we digress. So we digress. Now I'm going to uh, refer myself to my notebook here. That's okay. Essentially, so you were saying about when you first started podca- podcasting. Would you say it was never not funny? Essentially, yeah, that was the first. Oh, that was definitely the first uh, podcast I ever did. And it was so much fun. You left. You just couldn't believe it. You're like, wow, this is. And again, you're just you're doing radio, but there's not the limitations. And, you know, it's like when when, when people used to think, oh, it's it, it, with Stern, like when he went to, uh, you know, XM, people that don't really listen go, oh, so he can curse more. It's, it's oh, please stop it. That's not what the whole vehicle was for. So people could curse. But if that's the way you express yourself and you're a passionate person and you curse, well, you couldn't do that on radio. So, yeah, for someone like, you know, that, that you know, me sometimes when I'm passionate, yeah, I, I, that's, you know, I don't have no desire to stop cursing. I sometimes I will overcurse and I'll be like, you know what? I curse too much. Like I get off stage. I'll be like, I said fuck too much. I don't want to say it just by my own. But sometimes I want to say it. It's a good punch. So it's nice when you're on radio now and you're saying something that can flow out of you the way you want it to. You know, I mean, it's like like I said, it's just. I love it. Radio with the purity of stand-up. Why wouldn't people like it, you know? And I, also, I think it had a lot to do with... I, I, I'm, I don't know if this is true, but I think it also had a lot to do with, like, like Netflix and these different... Because people go, they don't give a shit where the signal's coming from. They don't care where the signal's coming from. So as long as they're getting something and they can listen to it, they don't care if it's from a, a tower or if it's from, you know, the podcasting, the way we get that through the Internet. And people figured out with the same thing with Netflix. It's like they don't care if it's coming from a tower from from, you know, NBC or, you know, CBS or it's coming from through the Internet where Netflix. So it's like, yeah, as long as we can get it into your house. And people used to go, how long will people watch shows that are on the computer? Well, now everything's on TV. 
everything. It doesn't matter if you bring if a show is on the internet. Yeah, you you stream it over to your TV. So now everything's on the TV. So I think maybe maybe podcasting had a lot to do with that. Going, yeah, people will drive in their car. They'll listen to they'll listen to a podcast on the way to work. Do you, I, I think as well, uh, like with Netflix as well, there's a binge element to it as well. Because, I mean, sometimes there are certain podcasts that I enjoy so much. And if I've got the time on my hands or if I'm on a long flight or a commute, yeah. I will listen to more than one. Certainly. Uh, are, you, um, are you a binge watcher of any particular shows on Netflix? Oh, you know, I'm not. You know, I, I overall, I, it's funny. I always say, like, I think, you know, people go, TV is not what it used to be. Uh, yes, it is. Um, there were great shows of the past. And there's crazy great shows on now. But I'm not a big... Uh, I'm, I, I don't even know why I'm, I'm a more of a flipper like I'll sit and I'll flip you know I'll flip through the channels I'll flip and then that's how I'll watch TV and there'll be a show that I watch I'll be like holy shit I watched this show last night it was so great I couldn't believe I might not watch it again for three months until it's there while I'm flipping so would you binge on say flipper the dolphin <laughs> I don't option. even know what that is oh really no. oh, oh flipper um so I mean flipper I, yeah the dolphin it was like oh a, you mean that show flipper yeah like, like from like but that was even before my time. Yeah, I'm, I'm, he's flipper. He's flipper. flipper oh yeah, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want it. What made you pick that show out of all shows? Well, because he said flipper. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> a, I don't know because it's like they they had that thing. They had flipper. They had Benji the dog at one point in the eighties. They had Skippy the kangaroo. You I know? remember Benji. And they could all save people from wells, even Flipper, yeah. uh, even though he, he died multiple times trying to drag himself to the well in the desert. But you know, <laughs> it was a very very upsetting show, really. Uh, but, but yeah, yeah been watching never uh, never really do but i get i get why people would want to you know just uh, uh you know once in a while i would do it with uh conan o'brien back when i was watching it all the time i would someone would record the few and we'd watch like four in one night you know yeah. well because we you know the commercials then it was it went you could watch four in like really quickly uh, so um, i mean are you a, are you a fan of the of course johnny carson tonight show era and you know i was i i I wasn't, you know, I'm not saying I was 10 then, but Johnny, when he left, I, you know, it didn't resonate for me. When Letterman left, that's who, that's who I really liked. I, I really remember watching him in high school or right after high school. I started watching him a lot. And then Conan was the first person that came along and was like really resonated. Oh, they're the type of bits me and my friends do. Like that, that really, it hit home. I was like, oh, these bits really make me laugh. You know, like the masturbating bear and just going into the audience, all these sort of non sequitur uh, bits were great and uh but johnny was uh before you know before uh, i didn't really get into it then i didn't have the the pleasure of experiencing it first time round or or even even uh sort of 90s conan or or letterman for that matter i think over in the uk up until probably the late 90s early 2000s we only really had four or five channels and then after that it spread very thin over about 900 channels and kind of didn't know where to look so these days, I'm kind of on YouTube. I'm, you know, various places hunting down 80s Letterman, 90s Conan. Yeah, those those are great. But you don't, you know, but I, but I, I never, I'm never, uh, I don't have that slippery slope of insinuating, oh, that, those were the days. No, there was great television then, and there's great television now. It just, uh, just takes new formats sometimes, and but because uh, I think there's a ton of great things on now. I mean, it, it, but also, I mean, in, in relation to that as well, I mean, the evolution of podcasting as well, for example, is that this is what I love about the Todd Glass show is that it's everything. It's the format. It's it's got music. It's got bits. It's well, got- that's a good, you know, it's funny. I used to say if you had to pitch your stand up to get to do it, you know, you couldn't just go do it. You just had to pitch it. 
we wouldn't have so many great stand-ups because on paper you couldn't explain it and that so can you imagine if uh even whether it's in the past whether it would be richard pryor or george carlin or or lenny bruce or you know if you who, who, or today if you go to like guys like eddie pepitone or jimmy pardo or andy kindler or you know on paper you can never sell it to anybody mm. wait you're gonna talk about what it, it doesn't make sense so that's why we have great stand-ups because they don't, thank God, have to pitch it to anybody. And I don't mean thank God; I just mean thank, thank the nature, thank the the universe for turning in a certain way. But with podcasting, it's the same thing. You know, I can think of five podcasts that are great. That if it was twenty years ago or even ten years ago, and you had to go pitch that to a network, you know, a radio network, and go, "Here's what I want to do," they'd be like, "No, you have to pick one or the other," and then. You don't. So that's why, pod, you know, like we said, you know, that's why, again, podcasting is so, uh, so great. I never get tired of talking about it. Uh, you know, eventually, you know, I don't, I don't sit and watch TV. I, I talk about the show, how, why I like the show. I don't talk about, isn't TV great? Because we're used to it. Mm. But podcasting is still so new that I still can't even get over the, I, every week that I get to do that. I love stand-up more than anything in the world still. And the podcast, same thing. They're my two favorite things in the world. I, I never get tired of doing it, ever. Even if I'm in a funk, by the time I get to my podcast and start doing it, I'm not in a funk anymore because it's just, it's, you do whatever you want. It's pure joy. And and by extension, I mean, what's the uh, relationship between not just stand-up, but comedy and podcasting? I think it's helped my stand-up. I think it, it lets me know because you can, you can take a little longer breathing when you're doing a podcast. You have time to like just breathe, let it breathe. And sometimes ideas come to life that way. So I think it's helped both, you know. What I was speaking to Jimmy about yesterday as well was also the concept, like, so he picked a gateway episode. I said to him, I, I put him on the spot and said, what, what if you were to introduce uh, Never Not Funny to someone who hadn't heard it before, which show, which episode would you pick? Oh, that's a good question. What did he say? He went for the, the Andy Daly episode where they went to the 7-Eleven. Um, where they, so they sent five different people to the 7-Eleven to investigate why the sign's covered. And everyone goes, and they're all recording it on the mobile uh, and it's, it's, it's great. And yeah, that is great. I love just hearing, what did they, oh, by the way, now we're, I wonder, did they find out why that was covered? I think, I think they, they kept getting different answers from different people. That's right. the thing. They never really found a, a resolution. It was something to do with, oh, the sign, it just fell off. It was something like really small, but they made it into a big, yeah. big thing. And well, you can play, you can just do, by nature, comedians uh, play like when we were younger, because we still get to, and the podcast lets you just play, you know, you you just do what you want. You think of an idea, you do it, you know? Sometimes I'll be like, if I had a show, I would do this. My friend's like, you do have a show. You have a podcast. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll do it on that. Well, in relation to that as well, I mean, a show, one of the episodes that sticks out for me with the Todd Glass show is when you had the sleepover and uh, Tommy Chung came over. And Yeah, you know, it's funny because you never know what episode to tell people. I always uh, start a lot of episodes with saying, hey, you might be one of those people that your friend listens to the show or your significant other, and now you're giving it a shot. And I do say this a lot. I almost want to put it as a preamble before every show. Look, if you're coming over to give it 10 minutes and just to see if you like it, you're in your car. You know, I just picture someone, their girlfriend or their boyfriend said, listen to it. And the person that they care about, they go, all right, I'll listen to it in the car. Maybe I can get into this because everybody wants to go back to the person they're dating or married to and go, I listened to it today. You're right. I love it. Of course. But I always say that I say, if you got your headsets on, you're finally listening. If you're going to give it 20 minutes, I'm no bullshit. I'm not trying to be sarcastic because I would love if you listened, liked it. You're probably not going to. It takes a little time. So give it a little time. Give it a little time, you know. Uh, but that might be a good episode because we got to do whatever we wanted. We were out by the fire 
and you think, well, people can't see it. It doesn't matter. And that's what I have to give Stern. You know, even if you I happen to love Stern, uh, certain things over the years he did. No, I wasn't crazy about a lot of those things. He's changed, which, which I think is that's part of being relevant. You have to change. You might lose some fans, but you gain new bands. But he really let us know about theater to the mind. And that still affects, I think, almost a lot of podcasts. You know, some of the things they did on that show, even me. If he was, if like, if I was hanging out with Howard Stern and he was my friend back when, you know, back when I used to listen to that show in the late eighties, I'd probably go, well, I know people can imagine it, Howard, but that might be a little, that's really just to, you have to see it. You have to see it. I was fucking wrong. I never said that. I'm saying hypothetically, because I would drive in my car. They'd be doing these bits. I would picture it. And to me, that's, what's great about, um. You know, that you can, you know, we were out by the fire pit. People imagined it. We'll put some pictures up where I always take the time to explain it. There's a crack on fire. There's five of us sitting around it. And then we came in here and we had sleeping bags all over and we all slept over. For my, it was the one year anniversary show. And I was like, where else could you do that? And we were sleeping over and everyone got it. I explained it. I go, okay, we're all in the living room. There's blow up mattresses everywhere. Rory Scovel's on the sofa. Jordan's over there. And everybody eventually went to sleep. Everybody was sleeping for real. And me and Blake Wexler were up and we were giggling like so hard because, uh, you know, we're, we're like, we should I go, go pull. I was just trying to make him laugh. I'm like, uh, Jordan is uh, Roy's girlfriend. I go, go pull down Jordan's pants. I want to see what her vagina looks like. And he was like, we're like, we're like, holy, we're like, it's so much fun. Like, this is crazy. This ridiculous fun, you know? So maybe that is a good episode to go listen to that, you know. I think that's the thing. I think it's also that the element of field reporting as well is always a bit of a thrill because you don't know what's going to happen next. Whereas where it's in a studio where it's recorded, it, you know, there's a certain structure to it because you're used to it. So if it breaks away from that, if it's sort of something a bit out of the ordinary, something that's not what you expect, where it's, you know, you don't know what's going to happen next. I mean, right. I mean, like, with, I mean, to be fair, I mean, all podcasts, you know what's going to happen next. But when it's kind of recorded out of the the ordinary it's it's a whole other world you right. don't it there's there's an excitement to that as well yeah and that that's why you know so quickly i think people can make rules even when they got out of radio we look we all like podcasting because we didn't have to follow the rules of radio and so quickly people can start making their own rules you're like well you're you're doing this you're, why are you making rules when like when i started mine some people be like an hour is enough you know nobody no you know i would keep it at about an hour and then I think it was Chris Hardwick told me that because that's what his was. And then I remember him going, you know what? Fuck that. You do whatever you want. That, that, I'm, what are we doing this? Why are we remaking rules? Oh, you can't do that. You can't do that. No. that. And I don't even care if somebody tries something different and it bombs. That's, hey, that's the same reason people try things different and they work. So, like, I don't want to be part of ever, like, you know, being like, oh, you can't do that or you can't do that. You do whatever you want. And that's how we get brilliant things is that people take chances and do different things. And maybe they try one podcast and it doesn't work and it's, it's different. Maybe it'll be the next thing they do. But one thing you don't want to do is when something different, you know, it doesn't mean you can't pay attention to logic and learn new things. And, okay, there's where I made a mistake. Maybe this was better. But don't let your lesson be learned that, oh, I, it was too different. No, maybe the next different thing you do, that'll be the thing that's. That's exciting. I love that, you know, in the beginning, remember there were a lot of people going, oh, everyone's got a podcast. So what do you give a shit? What do you give a shit? I don't care if someone does a podcast and it's literally 30 of their friends listen to it, you know, and that's great. It's a, it's, it's an expression. It's people get to express themselves. It's like, you know what? Not everybody that skis is a professional skier. Oh, what are you skiing for? If you're not going to do it professionally, you just, ski- yeah, I enjoy it. 
Yeah, but you're never going to be professional. What do you do? It sounds silly to say that. I ski. I'm not a professional skier, but it's a hobby. Why are you golfing if you're never going to do it? Because I enjoy it. It's my hobby. And for some people, maybe a podcast is their hobby. They, you know, they, they get to have this freedom of expression. And who, maybe a lot of people listen to it. Maybe not a lot of people listen to it. But I, like, good for you. You know, I don't want to be. There was like, I remember so many comedians like, oh, another person with their podcast. Well, if that's the reason for not doing a podcast, then why don't you stop doing stand up? Because a lot of people do stand up. Imagine if you had that same adage when you got into stand up. Whoever, whatever comedian said that, if they went, oh, come on, there's so many stanzas. What are you going to do? Do it and put a little different slant on it? Yes, that's my hope that I will take a vehicle like stand up that's been around forever and you know, do something clever with it, do something unique with it. And stand-up's been around a lot longer. And still, even to the year 2016, there are comedians that come along, young comedians today, and and, and make stand-up great. And uh, so if you can do it with stand-up, of course you can do it with a podcast. There'll be good podcasts, there'll be bad podcasts, but I I, I love the vehicle for, and, uh, and the blah, blah, blah. And also because the evolution of podcasting as well, you've got a relationship with the audience in a certain way, and it can be a lifeline in, in the hardest of times. It can bring you up, it can lift you up, because it, you, you're sharing this sort of candid connection with the podcast that you're listening to. Yeah, it's very intimate. Even if you don't talk about social issues or you do your, whatever your podcast is, it's intimacy because, you know, you have the time to be intimate with people. And it is, it's... And you meet some really, really awesome people along the way, you know. And for me, they come out to the shows, and that's what's great about it, that they come out to the show. And you can tell them to do stuff, because if they listen to your podcast, like if I do a show at a comedy club, and maybe there's 300 people there, maybe only 50 of them on a Saturday show are podcast listeners. That means I have 50 people I can go, okay, here's what to do. During my act, when I say this, I want everybody in the audience to start doing this. So 50 people know what they're doing, but there's another 250 going, wait, what is going on here? And what am I a part of? And even if they figure it out, it still throws them. So um, so I'm done talking. That's Fair. the way I end all my sentences now. Fair enough. Well, in that case, I don't mean so talking overall. I meant that sentence. Like, you know when you have a sentence and you don't know how to wrap it up at the end? You're like, ah, blah, blah. I'm done. <laughs> I'm, I'm still learning that with, with general kind of conversations yes. that are on a, on a microphone level. So I had the pleasure, of course, of being on, on, uh, in the background of one of your shows uh, last year, uh, the Andy Wood Double Bill. Uh, the Andy Wood, uh, Is that two, the show you were at? Andy Wood two-part show. I was sitting there and, yeah, I had an amazing time. Yeah, you were great. You were good energy, and uh, I didn't know it was the Andy. The Andy. Uh, it was Andy Woods. Did you say? And Andy oh, Andy Wood. I, I'm thinking for some reason you meant another Andy, Andy a Dick for some reason. But Andy Wood. Yeah, yeah. Andy's great. Anybody who's just willing to be silly and and play and and just uh, have fun like a you know like a kid is, ends up being a really good guest. Eddie Pepitone, Andy Kindler, Ron Funches, Roy Scovel, Alan Strickland, Williams, Liza Skinner, Jen Kirkman. You know, they're all uh, been, there's so many great guests that are just, I get, when they're, when it's about 10 minutes from showtime, I literally get like a little kid 10 minutes from Disneyland. I get, oh, I'm going to have just, just two hours of nonstop giggling, basically. I, I experience, I mean, I think the ones that, certainly the ones that had me in hysterics were also the James Adomian ones. I mean, when James, I mean, you know, I know what the, the thing means. You're, sh- you're just, they shred you. They comedically shred you. They just shred your insides. They just like Andy Kindler does the same thing. When they're done, Eddie Pepitone, uh, I feel like Jen Kirkman does that. Like she and uh, but but uh, uh, James Adomian, man, it's it's the most it's 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 the most. 
painful joy you can possibly have. Like, you know, people go, oh, stop, stop. But you, you don't really want him to stop. When you're telling him to stop, I'm like, no, I am serious. Stop. I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. You need to stop. I'm begging you, you know. Yeah. But, it's, but of course, it's, be- it's beautiful. I certainly say with your show as well is that the freedom is greater in that there's so many levels of bits as well. And, and that kind of you can break, you know, you might break out of one shell and then suddenly there's another shell and you're just constantly breaking out. Right. When people say, you know, like you can't say anything anymore, you know, when that happens, a lot, oh, you can't say anything anymore. Well, people get to react, but you can say anything you want. And the other night I was fantasizing a or when a rate when when someone has a radio show and that happened to Opie and Anthony and and Anthony got fired. You know, I get it. Why a lot of people thought it. I get it. They're thinking, oh, my God, how can they? he said that he's fired? But may pretend he could call Lenny Bruce, may pretend there was a place and explain to him what happened. Hey, Lenny, nothing's changed, man. You fucking fought so hard. Fucking bullshit. I got fired from radio. He's like, oh, but didn't you start a podcast that reaches even more people? Yeah, but right there, it says it all. It's like, no, you can say anything you want. So can your boss. And sometimes that's sometimes people fire you for right reasons. Sometimes people fire you for wrong reasons. Only history will tell that. But until then, you think Lenny Bruce was complaining? And I use Lenny Bruce because he's the go-to. Any, anybody who fought for being able to say things that you couldn't say before, whether it's on TV, whether it's someone in a neighborhood at a local uh, community that says something, whoever fights for, for us to be able to uh, say things that we weren't able to. And right there it says, so yeah, maybe you got fired from that radio station, but you can start a podcast the next day. Did you go? Lenny Bruce would be like, yeah, man, didn't jail suck? No, I didn't go to jail i just got fired oh and then you want to go shut the fuck up you calling me to tell me that things haven't changed that's things have changed you got fired but you could start a podcast the next day you can go on stage you're not getting arrested but that's you know that's why the podcast you know that that's why it's a thing you can say anything you want and and it's amazing and it's great it defines that there's no end you can you can keep going with it and i mean there's certain shows that we've taken on with our network um back in the uk where they've already said implicitly that it is a limited run it has an end point but then over here it's it's great because with with certain shows there doesn't need to be an end point you, you know there's no there's no energy lost at any particular point you can just keep running and running and running and that's it i mean are there any podcasts that, that you that you've experienced where you feel that not necessarily any negative point, but but ones which maybe feel that, you know, there will be an end point. You know, I, it's funny. I love podcasts, but I don't listen to them that much. I don't know why. Someone goes, oh, you'll be on the train for four hours. Why don't you listen to my podcast? I'm like, oh, yeah. Meanwhile, I stare out the window for four hours. I peek around, like, if there's a guest I like, like, you know, like, I don't uh, listen to, I listen to the president on Mark Marin, you know, and some uh, with Jimmy Pardo, you know, Never Not Funny, I will uh, listen to that sometimes and... Oh, my God. You know, you're on the train and just wherever I'm out on the airplane laughing. You're like, oh, my God, I really got to turn this off because I look like a mental patient, you know. And I don't mind laughing in front of other people. But when they can't hear it, I, I you know, those people, it's all right. It's 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 pleasant to hear someone giggle with their headphones on. But, you know, when it gets too much, you just hear. <laughs> all right. Relax. I had that during my first kiss. But I'm bump, but I'm bump. Oh, genuinely, I did. Wait, oh, she laughed? No, well, that's the thing. It was uh, during, uh, there's something about Mary. It was at a cinema, and uh, there was there was someone in the back um, who had a very specific kind of laugh, and I couldn't tell if they were laughing at what was on the screen or the fact that the few rows in front, there was me getting my first kiss with someone, you know, hand over bra. And, uh, How old were you then? Probably about ooh, 14, 15. When was that? Something about Mary. 94? Uh, 
Oh no, this was this would have been so I I turned thirteen in nineteen ninety seven. So I think this was ninety eight, ninety nine. Right. I want to say. And yeah, and, and just as we're kissing, my memory of my first kiss is always associated with the sound of a guy going, <laughs> like that, which unfortunately is reflected very badly on my sex life. Right. <laughs> um, he's always there. Little and, does he know, he's ruined your kissing life. You asked me about the, uh, the what was it, about the end of a podcast, if you think, oh, it's coming to an end because it's run its course? Yeah, like, like some of them, the formats have a limited run, whereas certain formats are so free that they don't need to end in any particular capacity. Where yeah. I think there are some... I think, I think it's like stand-up. As long as you're invigorated to do it, it probably never has to end. I think only when you lose the, the, you know, the gusto to do it, but... You know, look at look how many shows have been going on for so long, you know, in in radio and in podcasting. They could go on, you know, I don't know. I can't imagine. I mean, eventually one day. My dream is to be on a tour bus traveling around doing stand up and then have do my podcast right in the bus. That's really, that's funny you should say that because uh, I, I I basically said that if I won the lottery or if I hit big or in some capacity in any in any case whatsoever, I'd love literally to buy a roof and a bed in every US state. And then buy a Winnebago and literally set up the studio in the Winnebago and then just travel around meeting people. Yeah, what do you mean a roof and a bed in every state? Just like a, just like a room. Just literally like a room where – so I've got like a, just a, like 50 keys around my neck. So Why like, do you need a room when you have your tour bus? Well, it was, I, think, I think originally the Winnebago came in secondary. And originally the theory was that I would become a legitimate drifter. <laughs> so I – Go around with a notebook and like a pen and just walk around from place to place going, oh, I'm tired. Hey, there's a room in this state. And that was then like go from one place to the other and just like, you know, but then, but then I think maybe I combine the idea with the Winnebago. And so now it just sounds absurd. But then again, the Winnebago might break down. So, you know, I can be like, hey, you know, so this is the studio. Yeah. It's, it's static for a while until we can afford petrol again. So I'm just going to go and walk down the road in you know, house. Ohio, you know. Yeah. yeah maybe I, a tent. Maybe you could have a tent and a bus. Yeah, I would love a bus. I mean, it's all I talk about. The R, the not the. I say RV. That's what you know. I'm talking about tour bus. The tour bus is is the best. I would love that, and I hope it happens because I I want it to happen. It would be great. You could hollow out like a load of the seats and make like have like a lounge area. I'd take the back room and I'd make it. You know, well, you could do it anywhere you want. You know. The, the band on a, on a moving bus actually would be quite amazing if you can kind of get you know just like the little kind of bits of bits of wood that can kind of just stop the uh, you know the drums from just sliding you know when you're going down a hill <laughs> it's like- funny because I was on a tour bus and w- they had a small set of drums on the tour bus and we would play loud music that's when I started doing this and uh, the drummer played along and uh, we would just just have so much fun just something going down the highway it's you know it's like it's like if your hotel room started up. And while you were in your hotel room, you were driving through the night. You don't care. You're you're in a bed. I don't care if my hotel room starts up while I'm sleeping. But um, anyway, I digress. My safe place uh, when I when I'm kind of in having a, like a panic attack or something like that, I I go to a cabin in the opening of a of a wood, probably in Canada. I've never been to Canada, but I picture it being in Canada, on top of a hill under uh, star sky full of stars, sound of a, a stream somewhere, and just this lovely wooden cabin. And I always pictured that, you know, if I was going to have a kind of a sanctuary, that would be my, you know, that'd be where I'd record podcasts. That would be where I'd, you know. Yeah. Well, you'd probably like Mark Maron's where his is at. Because his is like, I mean, everybody knows he does it in a, it's a two-car garage, but it's not a garage anymore. But it looks like where Hemingway would. I don't like clutter at all. 
but I like the cl- the type of clutter that's in his podcast studio, the garage, because it's like, like I said, it's Hemingway, just books and books and old wooden floors, and it smells wonderfully, not too musty where it would drive you crazy, but it's not even musty, the smell of the books. I shouldn't say musty, but there is a must smell, to, a musky smell to that. You you would uh, you would like it. It's, have you ever seen pictures of where Mark does his podcast? I've seen the pictures from when uh, Obama was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty yeah. cool, pretty cool. I, that's the thing. Detailed clutter. That's the thing. It's it's yeah. It's I I I I kind of uh, have inadvertently made my kind of my main lounge area that. It, so I've got a you know a Pee Wee Herman doll that I bought from a thrift store here three years ago, just hanging off the corner with lanyards from various things and. Yeah, like various. You know, yeah, yeah. Give it, give it. It's just the warmth. It's fun, it's fun to do it. I'll show you my podcast that I just did. There's like a carriage house in my backyard that someone turned into a garage. I would imagine years ago, and I uh, took it and turned it into my podcast studio. But I, I'll show it to you when we're done because I think you'll maybe you could put a picture of it up so people know what we're going to look at. But it's definitely a cabin feeling. Was it, was it Robert Evans? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder where he. I wonder where he lived around here. <laughs> Robert Evans. Why do I know that name? Is it Robert Evans? I Isn't even, he from uh, the, the kid stays in the picture? Uh, I don't even know. I'm oh, bad with movies and stuff. I probably got it slightly wrong, but he was the the film producer who. Was, oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I know who you're talking about. But it's always that thing. I think. Doesn't like, he have like a tan, like a bad tan? Yeah, yeah. And Not it's a bad tan, but kind of kind of like a, stre- a stretched Adam West. Yeah, 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 I know who you're talking about. And and uh, I, I can't remember which comedian does an amazing impression of him. I know Bob Odenkirk um, has made a point of being quite obsessed Who's with Who's Bob him. Odenkirk? <laughs> uh, well, I, I think he was in this series, Better Call Saul, but uh, Mr. Show, I think. Uh, because of the limitations, I've been digging into American comedy that precedes what's out now as well. So, I mean, SCTV, Fernwood Tonight. Fernwood Tonight? I remember, you know, I was thinking about my dad. Like, he must have had a good sense of humor because Fernwood Tonight was not for the masses right what yeah. you think am i right i think it's i mean it's the original anti-talk show but but an anti-talk show 40 years ago yeah you, you think people weren't even tired of talk shows then but obviously some people were imagine being tired of them 40 years ago if they were only around today to see what happened but um uh, Fernwood tonight was sort of mocking the conventions of a talk show and uh, my dad loved it my brother michael would watch it i'd watch it my brother spencer and i late years later i thought that was a pretty for a lack of a better word ahead of its time hip show with uh martin mull and fred willard who i adore and uh so i thought you know that my dad probably had a good sense of humor he wouldn't have liked that show you know it's i mean it's there's something about it i mean i i started watching some old episodes uh not that long ago are they available somewhere most of them are available i think what it is is that uh, mary hartman mary hartman came out in this amazing box set so every episode if you ever wanted to binge on mary hartman mary hartman it's all there but in the set they've released something like 20 episodes and I think it's mainly copyright issues, perhaps as well, uh, depending on who's been on. And but then you get, um, and I apologize in advance because I can't remember all their their the real names, but certain character actors. So the guy who was in the producers, who um, I'm not going to know any names. I'm so bad. I'm, I'm terrible. I'm bad. I'm so bad. People go, well, you don't know this, you don't know that, but I just I don't I don't. So you know that guy who was in the thing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. he was great. He was he, was he slash she was great. So Young Frankenstein, of course, Gene Wilder died recently. Okay, that, of course, I know. Uh-huh. Um, the, 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 the sort of, he's got the sort of strange love-esque kind of hand and you know, the cigar. The, and he's, in, he's been in loads of the films as well. He's been, he, was in, uh, he was in the producers as the, um, the, uh, the man with the helmet, the kind of the, the, the pigeon carrier. With I the never helmet. even saw the producers. Oh, really? My friends, they go, Todd, you have to see the producers. You'll love it. Last time someone a long time ago told me to watch a movie over and over and over, they go, Todd, you're going to love it. You love Fred Willard and you haven't seen Waiting for Guffman. 
Then I finally watched it. I was like, next time someone tells me to watch a movie like 10 times, you know, different people. Oh, you got don't wait like you waited for waiting for Guffman. Uh, I still I still wait. It's hard for me to follow some things. That's why I think I put off watching it. I get lost very easily. So if it's not a show that's where I can understand it, I sometimes put it off because I think I'm not going to be able to follow it. I get lost very easily, especially in movies. By, by extension, um, would you say you're more of a fan of sketch comedy? Because of the... Well, if it's right, you know, like Keen and Peele, K&P, whatever, you, I can say their names wrong. If it's like that type of sketch comedy, of course, you know. it's I, I, like, That type of sketch comedy has got the, the bang of a good stand-up comedy show, you know, but it's sketch, but it's got that, like, you know, it just, it hits you hard. And in terms of the focus as well, you can grab one sketch, next sketch. And, yeah, it's, yeah, I can follow it a little easier. Yeah, I can, yeah. I can follow it. We had a show over on the BBC in the UK, um, sort of late '90s, early 2000s, called the Fast Show, and it was literally that. It was sort of, it was, it was very purposely catchphrase comedy, and they would be anything between ten seconds to a minute and a half of sketch, mm-hmm. like each sketch, and they'd be recurring as well. But I always found with with those kind of shows as well that they would they would grab your attention, but they would stick. They would stick in your mind because not just because they were short, but also because they were they were prominent. They would come back and they would remind you. So that sketch might come back two or three more times in the episode, you know, and right. it would have a point. It would it would have it would have a punchline, but only on the fourth time it appeared. So I'm going to be, get a bit crude for a moment. So, for example, there was one called Midlife Crisis. There was a midlife crisis guy, and there's these guys in, in a golf course, and they're waiting for for the fourth guy. And he's like, oh, he's always late, and, you know. And he turns up and he sort of, you know, and he's like, hi, hi. And he's like really disheveled. I've uh, just, le- uh, just left my wife. Cuts, you know, uh, <laughs> six months later, he comes back and he's got a ponytail now. And he's like, and he's, and he's got like a young, very like girl half his age, you know. He's like, who's this wanker? And he comes over and he's like, oh, God. And it's like, yeah, guys, yeah, just chill out, yeah. And all that. And then, and then he comes back and then it keeps bouncing back to these guys. And then it ends with them going, like, going, oh, it's ridiculous. You know, I don't know what he is. I don't even know who he is anymore. He's just like pathetic. He's bought this new car and, uh, and they're like really. And then, then the, and he turns up at the pub, not just with the girl, but an, a, another girl. And so they all start pouncing on the young girl. And they didn't know how to finish this sketch, as far as I'm aware. So they're all standing there flirting with the girl. And um, I apologize in advance. Oh, but, you don't have to apologize to me. But uh, the, well, let me wait and see. <laughs> so they don't know what they said. They're all flirting. Oh, do you know this band? And do you know this film? And uh, you know, ooh. and then one of the guys says, "Can I come over your tits?" <laughs> <laughs> and it's the biggest corpse of any, like the most co- longest prolonged laugh I've heard of an audience for about. Yeah, you know, it's just insane. He's saying it's a ra- it's a ske- sketch group on television or in, on a radio sketch uh, on television. Yeah, on television. What's it called? Uh, the Fast Show. Yeah, it's it was. Um, I think Paul Whitehouse is probably the guy who stood out the most over here because he ended up becoming quite good friends with Johnny Depp and subsequently appeared in Finding Neverland and The Corpse Bride with with him. I'd and, like to bring back like a sketch show. I, I would probably never do it because it's too much work. But that's why I like stand up on my podcast. Just you know, you talk about what bothers you or what brings you joy, and then you you know it's a little bit like I like to go bring back like an old. Uh, you know, like the old, like like even Benny Hill, or you know, this, that can move real quick and come over here, then boof, go over there, or, or laughing was a show. Did you know? Do you know what laughing is? Well, I that I was t- a show when I was like a little kid that was on. I met Martin Marlon and Fred Willard the last time I was here. Oh, you, how did you end up meeting them? With Fred Willard, uh, he went to. Uh, it was a sitcom recording when he was recording the uh, the series Dads, uh, which I believe was kind of short lived. I think it was Giovanni Ribisi and. Um, Seth Green, I think, mm-hmm. um, were the two main leads. And then um, 
Martin Mole was one of the uh, one of the dads. We were allowed to go then onto the onto the uh, stage, and we met Martin Mole, had a chat with him, got a photo. How was he? Really friendly. He um, was. He was mainly talking about like how he's more into his painting and things now, and you know, and and there was me like like an idiot because my dad's an illustrator. Going, oh well, if you ever come over to the to London, you know, here's my here's my card, and uh, you know, and he was like, yeah, I know London. He's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I've never met Martin, uh, but. Uh, uh, Fred Willard I had a few times I'm a big Fred Willard fan He couldn't have been sweeter I love when you Love somebody And then you meet them Sometimes I almost Don't want to meet them Because like What if they're not nice You know But uh, same thing Like with Don Rickles Met him Very sweet So yeah. Just, oh, Fred Willard's the kindest guy Oh uh, he's he's Man he's, He sets the standard high For I, I mean He's always been like that Always a nice guy When I first moved to LA I had this thing I wanted to do a video to open up my show and he was at the improv we asked him if he'd go outside and shoot it with us because he just seemed approachable he went outside he nailed it and then he did a show with me about years after that actually right around something uh, something about Mary uh, I had a show called Todd's Comb it was a pilot we were shooting it and uh, my friend played baseball with Fred Willard and he goes you know what I'm going to ask him and I'm like no 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 don't bother him and it, basically the show was I was in a coma and people came by to visit me, and that's how we learned about me, because obviously they would tell stories about me. And Fred Willard played the doctor, and he and Jimmy Pardo played my best friend. And uh, the doctor's character, which was Fred Willard, was he knew everything about everything. Like, Jimmy was playing the guitar. He's like, oh, how many frets? And he knows everything. The only thing he was bad at was medical stuff. And uh, so, you know, they'd be like, the person in room three is having cardiac you know, whatever. He goes, well, oh, yikes, is that serious? And then he pulls a cookie out of his pocket and he eats it. But he never did that in rehearsal. So he would save these few little things. And I, my job was to lay in bed during the live show because we shot it like a like a play, basically. And we put it on in front of a live audience to try to sell it. And uh, I just remembered laying there in bed. I was nervous. I'm like, how am I going to not laugh? And uh, it was easy because everything else I'd seen before. But with him, I mean, I remember just sitting there and just biting my lip. So fucking funny. I, it's almost like a, a um, endurance test because he's sort of like maybe potentially trying to make you laugh. I mean, and I, I can only imagine that would be painfully fun. Painfully fun, yeah. Laying in bed, just going, "Okay, it's your Todd. You have one job, and that's not to laugh." You know. I mean, I I met Fred. Um, it was a weird one. Uh, this was um, it was for a charity charity event uh, for dogs for, for pets, it, and it was kind of a, a redo of um, the famous scene from uh, the one the best in show. Uh, so when it was all about the, the uh, kind of the cruffs, kind of the dogs, you know, the, um, the dogs coming out and then being judged, and and Fred and Fred Willard and um, another guy played played the commentators, and Fred Willard was there, and he was really really friendly, and I, I ended up I've been, I'm obsessed with a series called Spitting Image in the UK, which was best known over here as DC Follies, which uh, Fred yeah, Willard hosted, which was far tamer in comparison, and uh, yeah, just the uh, how come no one's invited me to UK. I invited you to the UK. No, to do comedy. Yeah, come do comedy. I'm UK jealous. People go, I'm going to the UK. I'm going to, to Brisbane. I'm going to, uh, where is it when you do an out? You do 30 days straight. Oh, uh, Mexico. Edinburgh. Oh, no. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to Edinburgh. I'm going there. First thing I go is, do they have air conditioning? Because if they don't have air conditioning. But if they do, I want to go to the UK. I want to be like, you know, ah, I'm going to the UK to do stand-up. Hey, if, if you come to the UK, I'll sort you out a room. I'll, I'll bring a fan. 
and a fan. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, two different kinds of fans. Well, I need a comedy club to invite me. Well, I, I, you know what? I, I, I genuinely have a conversation when I get back. Soho Theatre and Leicester Square Theatre are the two venues that yeah, I... Yeah, those I, are the ones I've heard of. Yeah, they're, they're the good ones. And um, I mean, and that's the thing is that, I mean, I think a lot of people, weirdly, are kind of going via Australia first before they go to the UK, which... I mean, I get, because I mean, I think Australia are, are huge on podcasts as well, certainly in, in listenership, as, and slowly but surely... Um, I'll go to Australia too. Are you listening in Australia? I'll come there. I'll go to the UK. Whoever invites me. I need a plane ticket. I need a, a nice hotel. It doesn't have to be crazy nice. could be, a, you know, a, and then uh, the show, and then I need air conditioning, uh, uh, nobody talking during the shows. I have a few things, and uh, Skittles. And some ice. And ice. I need a bucket of ice. Yeah. On ice. Oh, the Skittles. Oh, yeah, but Skittles on ice, bucket of ice on ice, <laughs> and, the, and, the, and, and the audience on ice. I wouldn't be, mind. I'd like to be on some ice. Well, I tell you, in Australia, they'll, they'll take it on ice, I mean, because it's so hot. It's crazy hot. Well, I'll go when it's cool. I don't want to be hot. All right, go at night. With all the advancements <laughs> we have like while we're here, and I know they're going to have more advancements after I die, but, you know, and I know we look back to like, oh, remember people used to take horses places? I get it. We're, it's gonna, same thing's going to happen, but I'm just glad I'm here doing air conditioning. I'll take that. Just don't, I, all I want, just air, I'll, take, I'll take that I'm here during air conditioning. I'll take an air conditioned horse. I think that'd be amazing. Just, well, you know what? Not a bad idea. You know, straight, you know, like you've got the saddle at the top and you've got the air conditioner underneath on the belly. Yeah. And that'd well, be fine as well because I'll take that. Or you, you put a tent over the horse. Ah, uh, never mind. A moving horse tent. I'd take that. Yeah. yeah. For all intents and purposes. Ba-dum-bump, ba-dum-bump. And I, I, well, that's the thing. If, if I included a dolphin in that somewhere, we could have put <laughs> all intents and purposes. But I, it could have been uh, next you time. could have next yeah. time. Next time. The thing is in the UK as well is that I, I find with the with the circuit there is that there are there are slightly but surely there are more and more podcasters coming out coming out of the woodwork which is amazing and funnily enough we, so we're recording this on a Wednesday on the Friday Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday they're they're having the first ever London podcast festival oh they are and they're doing it at exactly the same time as the Los Angeles podcast festival which baffles me but there you go so I've I've had to kind of get people I know I bought tickets and I've given them to people to go and kind of represent the network that we're involved in right they've got a few british shows but they've also got um from new york they've got john hodgman and jesse thorne uh who are over there and, and dave hill from the goddamn dave hill show oh, so they got some good good shows yeah and i i think they they have no intention of stopping i really hope that they're going to keep going one of the reasons comedy bang bang couldn't come over was because they're actually doing a tour first ever uk tour they did australia in, oh. in the summer what about me well I, I rory scoville if i'm not mistaken came over to the uk not that long ago really? well that's my new goal so, Todd, in summary, then, <laughs> cake-wise, I'm a big fan. <laughs> I, I like a muffin. I'm a big fan of muffins. I think they're pretty good. That's um, funny. Someone said the other day, you know how we know just because it says brand muffin, it's not better? And even though I know that, I know that. I've been told that it's not better. Still, when I go to like a place and they have brand muffins, I'm like, I'll get a brand muffin. You know it's not better than a muffin. You know it's not better than cake. But if it says oatmeal cookie, even though I know it is not better, it's not a little better, it's not, I still go, hey, fuck it. It says oatmeal. I'm going to make pretend it's better, even though everyone has told me differently. Do you reckon in a part is because, you know, like a brand sounds like brand. So it's like a brand you can trust. Well, I thought brand because I know brand, like you always grow up, oh, brand muffin, like brand is, brand is good, brand cereal. Mm. So you think brand, but anyway. Well, brand muffin, I mean, I'm pretty sure he's a character in Game of Thrones. Uh, <laughs> Well, the lesser known characters uh, gets beheaded very early on, but uh, yeah, just the just the just the topping. So never did. seen Game of Thrones even. 
Um, I'm pathetic. Oh, I wouldn't worry too much. Oh, I did see first. one. Ep- it gets pretty uh, intense, right? Yeah, yeah. I did see one episode one night, and I've been smoking the marijuana, and that's another thing. It was, it was, it was enjoyable. It was enjoyable. A lot of violence, right? Yeah. And, yeah. But yet, I don't know. I thought I don't usually like violence, but I did. I was. It was overwhelming, and I was high, and I was taking it in. But I don't. I haven't watched it since. Yeah. It's a good story. You can get that story of my new book called "Boring Stories I Should Never Bring Up Again." Television anecdotes. Television anecdotes by Todd Glass. To be to be fair, if if you if you did um, high television anecdotes as and when they were being shown, I would I would I'd definitely listen. Maybe I got something there. Yeah, Todd, um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for not just being a guest on the show, but have, having me in your house. And I appreciate me... you coming by my house. I hope I hope I was interesting. Oh, God, what if people are going this Todd Glass guy? Wow, is he? Fu- I'm funnier at clubs. We're just in a serious conversation. I do all the, I do all the, uh, you know, the fixing up of in case someone go, oh, okay, he said, honey, he said he was funnier at the club. Why can't you trust me? Well, on the podcast, he just talked. At that club, he's funnier. We got to go see him. Nothing better than yelling off mic. The further you get, the funnier it is. Watch this. Honey, it's Todd Glass. No, he's doing a podcast. People are allowed to talk. Just, you know, they're talking. They're just chewing the fat. They're having a good conversation. Aw, oh, come on. I'm back. It was a lot of work. I'm exhausted. Thank you for coming to my house. Thank you for having me on your podcast. And I'm going to go eat that butterscotch. I want you to send me, what did you tell me? That thing you whip it up? Angel Delight. I want some yeah. Angel Delight. Yeah, well, i tell you what. How did you describe it? You said it's like a, a custard. It's, it's like a butterscotch cocaine. Wow, I love it. You do coke. But thank you. A huge thank you to Todd for welcoming and having me at his home, and of course for being a guest on the show. You can find the entire archive and listen to The Todd Glass Show weekly online via www.toddglass.com, The Nerdist, iTunes, and more. And you should also go and buy Todd's book, The Todd Glass Situation, a bunch of lies about my personal life and a bunch of true stories about my 30-year career in stand-up comedy, available on Amazon and at all good bookshops. In other news, Podnose is now on Patreon. Go to www.podnose.com, click on the Patreon link at the top of the page for further details. As of recording, it is very early days yet, but with your help and generosity, Podnose may continue to grow and develop into the creative community we envision. Further perks and monthly subscriptions are still to come, but for now, even just $2 a month will not only help towards the development of the site substantially, but we will also be very thankful indeed. I've been your host, George Grimwood, and you've been listening to PodPit, the podcast about podcasts. Bye for now. This episode is brought to you by Angel Delight. You're going to like the way you taste it in your mouth. Huh? Ba-dum-bum, bump ba dum bump You've been listening to an episode of PodPit, the podcast about podcasts, hosted and produced by George Grimwood, edited by Martin Fenton. PodPit is part of the Podnose Podcast Network. You can visit us online at www.podnose.com and you can get in touch via admin at podnose.com. 
The Pod Pit Podcast is part of Podnose, the UK's leading independent entertainment podcasting network. For episode archives of Pod Pit and all of the shows on the network, visit us at www.podnose.com. You can also follow us on Twitter via at Podnose or send us an email via admin at podnose.com. Oh.